Hello, and thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Minister John Richard, and this podcast is an account of this week's Bible study. I pray that it blesses and strengthens you in Jesus' name. If you are looking for more of the Word or are searching for the notes that were used in this week's lesson, please feel free to check the links in the description. Enjoy the Bible study and be blessed. Everyone, thank you for gathering on this evening. God bless you. Love you, JR. God be with you. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the opportunity to pray. I just ask that you would be with us in such a way that you would prepare our hearts and minds to receive your word, to really hear what the Spirit is saying to the church and take heed to your instructions, to be changed for the better from now on, just by the word that proceeds out of the mouth of your minister, John, on this evening. As that we are encouraged, refreshed, restored, and renewed in the ways that you know we need to be most. You are our help, and so I call on you. According to Ephesians 4.30, you said that we could grieve the Holy Spirit. We don't want to grieve you. We want to do the things that put a smile on your face. We can actually cause you to smile. We can actually cause you to rejoice and dance. Oh, my God. So... The reason um, that I'm, I'm speaking in this way, Lord, is because I'm asking that you help us to see the error of our way. It's easy sometimes to see the mistakes of others, and sometimes it's extremely difficult to see where we've gone astray or where we've been our own worst enemy or where we've stood in the way of progress. Lord, we all need breakthroughs. We need deliverance in some way, shape, form, or fashion. And so I call on you asking that you would make it clear to us that you would shine the light of your word and your love in every dark place, every confused place, everything that seems to be hidden from us. But you know we need to know uh, where we're falling short or where we need to improve or where we just need to stop doing a thing or stop thinking a certain way. We need a fresh perspective, a new outlook on life. And you are there for us to give us exactly what we need. We have everything we need in Christ Jesus. I'm just asking that you allow us to access it, to tap into it. We're one with you since we're born again and seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, but we need to tap into We need to access the help that we need. We need to be counseled, all of us, after COVID-19, after seeing so many people die and after having a lock up inside and, and, and just quarantine or if not quarantine just just being alone so much and all of this safe distancing and all of this getting vaccinated and others not getting vaccinated wearing masks others not wearing masks some people getting sick other people thinking they can't get sick all of the madness lord you know we need your help and so i'm calling on you because one of your names is help And I thank you for answering prayers. I thank you for giving us the deliverance that we need most because one word from you can change it all. It can change our outlooks. It can just have us delivered from 40 years of bondage, from from 50, 60, 70. It doesn't matter how long it's been, 10 years, five minutes of bondage. You can deliver us with one word. You can only speak the word and your servant be healed. You can just speak the word and circumstances turn around and tra- and just be transformed by the power 
of your word, Lord, to reflect your will instead of the world's way. Because ultimately, you are the way, the truth, the light, and the life, and the resurrection power, and the restorer that we need. You are every Thing we actually need and yearn for. You meet the need because you are the need. As Belva told us last week, you are our portion. You are our provision. You are our dwelling place. You are the great I am and you don't change. Hallelujah. So if you need to part what seems to be the equivalent of a Red Sea so that we can pass over on dry ground and the enemy who was pursuing after us not be able to prevail and we come out of this thing victorious, then so be it. Whatever you have to do, there are enemies that are trying to mock your people right now. Enemies of hate and racism and pride and and tolerance and 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 religiosity and and just all of these things that trip people up god and the people who are being used of of the devil to just do the devil's bidding i know that it is your plan and your purpose that prevails in our life not man's and and coming to a close i thank you that we have the keys to the kingdom and if some of us have forfeited keys i speak this word right now that i take them back in jesus name I bind you, Satan, in your works and your assignments where we are concerned and like the Hamans out there, uh, you act like you can't hear, but I'm speaking to you now in the name of Jesus. Be hung on your own gallows, whatever that means, whatever that means, God, you know, let their evil tricks turn on their heads. In Jesus' name, I loose the manifestation of this and the returning of the keys to those who the keys belong to in the kingdom of God. And not just the keys, but the access that we were once denied, the things that were stolen from us, the decades that were stolen, the years and the time that was lost be restored unto us with the youth, our youth restored and renewed. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen and amen. I want to thank God for this week because <clears throat> once again, I've found myself in a, another peculiar situation where I just don't know. And when I say that, I mean both quite literally, uh, literally and figuratively in the sense that I, I just I don't know why he loves us so much. I don't know why his grace and mercy is so amazing to us the way it is, even though we don't deserve any of it. But y'all, I'm grateful because as much as we mess up before salvation and as much as we will after we get saved and throughout the sanctification process, God loves us. He proves it each and every day with the new mercies that he brings that the Bible tells us about. So for this week's lesson, I have a continuation for you. Last week, we talked about Yahweh is one, meaning we debunked all the myths out there. We got rid of all the, the falseness that may be circulating the, the Trinity and everything that revolves around God. And we made it very plainly and clearly, both biblically, spiritually, uh, mentally, all of it that there is just one God, and he chose the name Jesus to exemplify all of his wonderful qualities, characteristics, and the many hats that he wears, like we do ourselves. So with that, for this week's lesson, we will be talking about the gospel and you. 
What does this mean? Well, let me tell you a little story and then we'll hop into our definitions. When we talk about the gospel, we mostly always refer to the testimony of who Jesus is, a.k.a. our Lord and Savior. When we talk about the gospel or when you hear the, the, the term out there, the gospel truth, we always refer to that one instance. We always come back to the same one topic or the same one person, and that is God himself. When we talk about the gospel, we talk about what God has done for us because it's personal, y'all. Yes, the relationship is personal. It's not shared between you, God, and your mom. It's not between you, God, and your spouse or your friend or your brother or your sister. It's a you and it's a God thing. And so the gospel in you is to help signify the importance of having this relationship with God more so especially after last week's lesson. If you didn't hear it, I advise you to listen to it. The link will be in the description. It's about the revelation of the oneness of who God is. And when you understand that, you then can start to understand who you are. Because according to the book of Colossians, our identity, yes, who you truly are, is all wrapped up inside of Jesus which, as Colossians also tells us, is the culmination of the fullness of God in a body just like yours and mine. And Jesus's life was the great example of how we can truly live and be holy. Just let God do what God does and do it all. And what he does, because he's so awesome, is just slaps your name on it so that you can get the benefit of saying that you were available to him. Now, with all this aside, let's talk about our definition for tonight, that definition being gospel. Now, we've talked about this before, but I would like to go into it a little more in depth. So the word gospel itself, of course, is usually in regards to the teaching or the revelation of who Christ Jesus, our Lord is. Now, if you didn't know that, you know now. So great. I'm glad you learned. But also going further it means a thing that is absolutely true. Now, that's very important because when we take a look a step further and we look up what that actually means, according to Merriam-Webster, it means that something that is accepted or promoted as infallible or it is a truth or as a guiding principle or doctrine. Now, this is very important for us because we know and that when it comes to something being infallible, we don't have a lot of that in this human world of ours. There are a few absolutely true things that we can know. It's that we are all born and that we will all die one day. That is infallible. That will not change. Another thing that is infallible is the simple fact that there is a God and his name is Jesus. And Above all else, despite all the insane things we do as a species of people, he still loves us, proved it by dying on a cross for you and for me, and wants to not only be your God, not only be your Savior, not only be your Lord, your King, but he wants to be your friend. He wants to be your all in all. So for that, 
And I thank God so much for the people he's blessed me in my life, you know, in my life. I want to thank him personally right now for my grandmother, because God through her put this in my spirit. And I've been meditating on it throughout the day as I've been working and getting some schoolwork done. So here we go. There is no certain scripture that is prepared for tonight, mainly because when we talk about the gospel, I would have to literally walk you through the entire Bible, which we've somewhat done, but it's going to be streamlined today, hitting the, the main points. So we start with the simple fact that in the beginning, after God made us, we messed up. Adam and Eve messed up. And it transcends to us simply because we all would have messed up, whether it would have been Adam and Eve or Jane and Steve or whoever God would have placed in the garden. It could have been me and someone else. It doesn't matter. We would have all made the same mistake. And you may ask yourself, then, well, why did God, who knows everything, allow that to happen? Well, for the simple fact to show you and to show me how much we really need him in our lives. And I know, and we've talked about this a lot, that there are the naysayers out there who will say, well, if there is a God and if he's so good, then why does all this bad stuff happen in the world? Why do bad things happen to good people? Well, if this is your first time here, I would recommend you go look at some previous lessons. But regardless of your first time or you've been a listener, let me tell you something. God gave us free will. And even though we fell from grace because sin is the separation between us and God, he did not remove a lot of the attributes or gifts that he gave us. That main gift being the free volition to make a choice, your free will. So when we complain and want to assign value to someone because we're too immature to want to actually, you know, own up to our own mistakes or to accept the things that we set in motion. We need to remember that God allows things to occur, whether it be good, whether it be bad. Almost everything in this world that happens is because of some choice that we as a species have made. Whether it be to condemn people for the color of their skin or to harass others because of some ideology that they may hold or whatever it may be. As far as I'm concerned, our job as a church, a.k.a. the, the family of the Lord, it's one thing. It's to spread the gospel. It is to make sure that people who don't know God have an opportunity to one, understand who he is, and then two, have a chance to build that relationship for themselves. Now, we look after the fall of man, and what is the one thing that is being taught up until the day Jesus comes, and up until now, even after he is ascended back to heaven, waiting to return again to take all of us with him and wrap this show up? Repent. We got to repent. Well, according to the Bible, we cannot garner faith unless we hear the word of God. And you, you may be asking, well, how does that work? Well, God always has someone in place to, to talk about his goodness, the testimony, the gospel. 
understanding who God is. It's not about the 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 old apostles. It's not about the the saints. It's not about anything or anyone else but God and what he can and will do in your life if that juncture word you allow him to do so. And we have all these wonderful examples. We've had the 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 kings and the judges and the prophets of Israel and they were great. They were, as we like to call us biblical scholars, types of Christ. And the book of Hebrews even referenced this. If you don't know what that means, it means that they were an example of things to come. But just like an example, it never gives you the full detail of what you're actually getting into. It just gives you a little taste. And the way God designed it, with the judges and then the kings and the prophets working hand in hand is that though they were cool in their own regard, they did something nice or something really good for the people of God. There was always a flaw. And if there wasn't this overbearing flaw, there was, it just wasn't enough. And that's simply because they weren't there to be a permanent stature. They were not there to help save people. They were there to help get the word across, to let you know that, look, God wants you to come back to him. And that's for everyone. That means that at one point we all belong to God. We did in the garden. Before we were truly here, we were there with Adam, with Eve, because we are the human race. The first Adam, he messed us up. But the second Adam, as the Bible tells us, came and made sure that we would be okay. And how would we be okay? Well, as if you've been here, he put money on the books. He put the money on the table. He made sure that everything that you could do and that you would do would be covered for. That he would have to pay for you just one time because he put a blank check on the table and he wrote on it, his name and his own blood and that blood covers you from eternity to eternity that's why as the book of revelation tells us there is the lamb slain in the throne room of god right before him as a constant reminder of the sacrifice that was made so that me and you could actually be here today because i promise you if it was up to me or anyone else i would not have been lenient There would be no human race right now. There would be nothing. But I thank God that he, Jesus, is in control because if J.R. was, mm -mm. if if my boy Broderick or Meeks was, mm -mm. if my mom or my granny or my aunts and uncles or your friends or your neighbor or you personally. mm -mm. But I'm appreciative that we have a God who is so generous in his mercy, so faithful to us even when we aren't to him that we get these new mercies each and every day so we talk about this gospel and there are three synoptic gospels excuse me those being matthew mark and luke and then there is just the full-blown testimony of this is god y'all in the book of john and you may be asking What's the importance of these four different iterations of the gospel? Well, we'll start with the synoptic gospels. And again, this won't be a long lesson. I'm just here to help further show you how important it is to build a relationship with God. So the synoptic gospels, basically, they just mean that they tell the same story. 
the same events occur. In the book of Matthew, we have uh, it from the perspective of the Jews. Here is the, the promised seed. This is the promise that was made to us coming through the, the lineage of David. He has come. He's the Messiah. We are good. We're going to get our land back. Yay. That's not why Jesus came. He didn't come to give land. He came to give life and life more abundantly. And then we look at it in the book of Mark, which is from the perspective of the good servant, the one who labored, the one who came to be born to die, the one who came to fulfill his purpose. Very important. Then we have the book of Luke which is written by a non-Jew, a.k.a. a Gentile, as the Bible would say it. And he wrote it from the perspective of a non-Jew to help get other non-Jews in accordance with, hey, look, this is Jesus. He is a savior. He is a way maker. You need him in your life if you want to actually have a life. Otherwise, you're just fumbling around in the dark. And then there's John, who we've talked about this and I love it so much who says, yes, all those things are true, but let's not forget that this is God. Unlike Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that may talk about the birth of Jesus coming through in the, diff- in the lineage, I believe, which is very prevalent in the book of Luke. No, John starts with, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word is God. The same was in the beginning as God. And he goes on in that first chapter to let us know, look, Jesus, the personification of the Bible written out, that's who he is. He is his will personified. He was there because they are one. Jesus, if you've been with me before, when we talk about the different I am statements, he says everything that the Lord himself said to the children of Israel in the Old Testament re-edified and then he finishes it off with John 8 56 it may not be 56 exactly but that's that's what I that's what I got right now and he says before Abraham was I am meaning what else can I tell you I'm God how else would I know these things how could I talk to you in all tense telling you about the past telling you about what's going on now foreshadowing to the future and be 100% accurate tell you about your life work miracles work wonders give you signs and everything else save your soul forgive sins unless I was who I claim to be yes I'm the son of God in the sense that I am showing you the example of what you can be if you would allow me to be that mother hen, to brood over your life, to actually care for you as the doting parent that I would love to be. I can be all these things if you would let me, and here's how you do it. It's not my will, but the Father's will that be done. It's not my words that I speak to you, but it's my Father's words. Everything that I do, that I say, I learn from the Father. And Jesus, our Lord and Savior, is telling you today that if you understand who I truly am, well, then why won't you just let me live this life for you, through you? Because Jesus said it very best. Take heart, fear not, for I have overcome this world for you. I've done it all. 
I've been persecuted. I've been tempted. I've been angry. I've been sad. I've been depressed. I've been through it all. I've been born. I've died. I know exactly what you're going through. I've lost. I've gained. I've been everything. I didn't just know it because I'm God, but I experienced it just for you. So that when you would go through something, according to 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that I could show you the way to endure so that when you're feeling like life is a, is a nuclear war field and missiles are going off left and right, that according to Philippians 4, 6 through 10, I believe, it's that you don't have to be anxious or worried about a thing. All you need to do is talk to me and then my peace, which surpasses anything we can comprehend, will take over your life. That according to the book of Romans, that we don't need to be conformed to this world because this world, quite frankly, it sucks. It's pitiful. It's terrible. It hurts. I had a conversation with this with my brother Broderick maybe an hour or two before a Bible study. You can't seem to do anything without facing some form of persecution. But, you know, that's cool with me because at least I know that my relationship with the Lord, though it will bring extra persecution, it solidifies a place for me that while I'm here doing my father's business, he is preparing a place for me. And that place is wherever he is. As he told his disciples that there are many mansions or many rooms in his father's house and that he is preparing that place specifically for you so that when the time is come, he will come and get you personally and take you to where he is. And I look forward to that, y'all. So when we talk about the gospel, the gospel in you, the importance of the gospel, it's to let you know that you can't live without God. Yeah, you can exist and muck around in the mud and, you know, flail about ceaselessly, thinking you're accomplishing things, further hurting yourself, hurting others, uh, slowly but surely descending down into a very real hell. Or you could shun the illusion that Satan is trying to keep cast over your eyes. You could overcome your past, let go of these things that feel good, but only really hurt us in the long run. And honestly, in the immediate process of doing so, and you could accept who God is, the loving, merciful creator who, despite all human rationality, loves us without a shadow of a doubt, agape, the Greek word which means unending, ceaseless love without a, a requirement. You don't have to do anything for God to love you. He just loves you. And more so when you accept his offer about coming to him, any of us who are worn out, stressed out, tore up from the floor up, as my late pastor would say, and every other thing, and you just accept the offer that he would give us rest for our souls to learn of him because he is meek and lowly in heart that the burden he would give us is easy and his yoke is light meaning that you don't have to keep wearing this chain around your neck that every time you take a step forward it jerks you 
20 billion steps back. But instead, as the Lord himself said, if the sun sets you free, then you are truly free indeed. But you don't get free unless you hear the gospel, unless the measure of faith that I believe the book of Romans is where that is found. Don't quote me here. But that the measure of faith that we are all born with would be activated by hearing of who God is. And then that activation would and make us inquirable and we would go seek out who is this Jesus that you speak of. And that when we find out who Jesus is, the, the savior, the son, the obedient servant, the promised king, the one who would set us free, then he would show us to the father or to, to the, cre- the creator aspect, the Lord, the sovereign of all. And then that aspect of God would let you know, look, there is no separation between the two. We are one. It is just one God. Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, El Shaddai, Yahweh. All my characteristics, all my qualities, everything that I am, that I will be to come. The first, the last, the beginning, the end. The one that was dead but is now alive forevermore. He that is risen. I can't make it plainer for you, but I will say this. I thank God for the gospel because although I was raised in the church underneath a pastor and a wonderful mother who practically is one herself, it it didn't always stick. And I didn't always want to do the right thing. I didn't always want to hear about God or, or anything relating to that sometimes because it's like, look, I just want to play my game. I'm trying to eat my chicken. What does this have to do with anything? But as I got older and I started to see life for what it was, not this fancified thing that we're taught it could be about chasing a bag or living your best life because you're not living your best life if you don't have an active relationship with Jesus. Let me tell you that right now, because my best life before I got serious about God was a life filled with anger, resentment, depression, hatred, and so many other things. And vice after vice after vice, the destruction of relationships, I could go on all night. But that was my best life because I was trying to chase a bag and live my life. But after Jesus, with God, I couldn't be happier. I'm excelling in almost everything I do. I'm growing. When I mess up and I see how nasty and dirty I still am because sanctification is a lifelong process, I thank God for the revelation of who he is because of the gospel. Because he put someone in my life that loved me enough to tell me about who he is, that spared a few minutes of their time to just say, yo, this is who God is. This is who he wants to be to you. And this is all he wants for your life. I can't thank him enough for that. Through my my aunts, my uncles, my grandparents, my parents, my friends, you know. We're all rocks in one another's life and we pebbles lean on the rock of ages himself. And I thank him for that because the gospel illuminated me to a real family, 
to true self-identity. I'm not searching social media for some template I can slap on and say this will be me for the next 10 to 15 years until I have another identity crisis and I need to find a new template to copy and paste. None of that. I am simply me. And me is a child of God who has been given a divine purpose and has plans already predetermined for my life. And if I want to know what they are, all I need to do is ask. So for you today, wherever you are, whoever you are, let me offer you God. Because if you didn't know him, well, then you're missing out on a lot. I know there are cliches about the church, but let me tell you, anyone who is bashing people based on race, color, creed, sexuality, anything of the sort, they're not real Christians. They are Christian by name alone. They are a hate group. I don't know who they are. As Jesus would say, when everything's said and done, be gone away from me, you work of iniquity, for I never knew you. Meaning you set tripping, you got to skedaddle, go on ahead, scram. That ain't it. But what I want to offer you today is a chance to get to know the real God. Not Buddha, not some statue at the fish place down the street. Not some philosophy that requires you to sell all your worldly possessions. I, I just want you to have a relationship with God. I don't want you to be churched. I want you to have a relationship. I don't want you to, to worship the pastor or to, to worship the minister. I want you to worship God. Worship with me. Just like when John was writing the book of Revelation and he saw the angel and he fell down to worship him the angel told him to get up because brother we are on the same team i'm not to be worshiped i'm a co-laborer with you so i want you to have a relationship with god i want you to get to know him for yourself so that you can be excited like i am each and every day when i get up though times may be rough though they may be tough though they may be really crazy i'm grateful because that just means there is a new day to spread more of the light whose name is Jesus, because he is the way, the truth, the life, and the light of this world. And his light, according to John chapter 1, is the thing that gives life to all of us. And if you don't have his light, well, you're dead. And that was a lesson we've had before. But through it all, we thank God for Jesus. So Heavenly Father, we come before you just saying thank you, Lord. We thank you for the gospel, for the testimony of your love, for the love story that you wrote out to us entitled the Bible. Because God, no matter how much we continue to mess up, no matter how much we as a species have done wrong and have done you wrong, you still thought of us so much that you would come down in the form of one of us, be made to be a curse on that tree, to die a criminal's death, something you didn't have to do and something you surely didn't deserve, just so we would not perish. And even now, with those who would reject you for some strange and odd reason, it is still not your desire that any should be perished but that all should be saved. So, Father, we as a family humbly request that you would send forth more workers, for there is a great and bountiful harvest to be reaped one day. 
And Lord, we just want the family to be as big as it possibly can. And though we know not all will be saved, we are still grateful that there is an incalculable number of brothers and sisters in that great cloud of witnesses. I mean, it's like my boy Elisha said, there are more for us than there are more against us. And God, we thank you that you alone are that more because there is none more great than you. There is none more powerful. And most importantly, there is nothing in all of existence, neither before or after, that can ever separate us, that can divide us from your love. And God, I'm just eternally grateful for that. So Father, we want to say that we love you. We thank you. And then if there's someone who does not know you, that you would set them up in a peculiar way to where you are their only option so that they too could share in the light that is your love, Lord Jesus. It's these things we thank you for, and we are sure to give your name all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory which you so rightly deserve. It's these things we thank you for in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, family. I pray the lesson has blessed you in some way, shape, form, or fashion today. Each week, we hold Bible study on Zoom, and it would be wonderful to share this experience with you. If something was said that resonated with you and you aren't a part of the family, I would like to open the invitation to join. I pray that the Lord blesses you in all of your endeavors and that you chase after the prize, which is Jesus. See you next week, God willing and be blessed.